You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast. I am excited about a new friend that I've made who is my guest today. And we were able to speak to students up in Oregon, just sharing them with them um, our faith and encouraging them, inspiring them. But my guest is a former professional snowboarder for 10 years. He was one of the best in the entire world. He has a world record as well as he's appeared in extreme sports movies and TV commercials. I'm excited to welcome Tom Gillis to the Gold Standard Podcast. Welcome, Tom. It's great being there. All right. Let's talk a little bit about your story. Um, tell me, did you grow up snowboarding? How did you become a professional snowboarder? Yeah. So I grew up skateboarding and it was like uh, one of the things I was good at. Like um, I always tell people if there was a subject in school that I really excelled, it was recess. I was the first in and I was the last out. Right. I just I love playing. And uh, school was hard for me. Super dyslexic, super ADD all over the place. Wasn't a good learner. Um, struggled mightily in school, but um, skateboarding, like I was good at. And so that was one of the things like, I, all I wanted to do is cause I think everyone wants to be good at something. And, and when, when life is just smacking you down, um, you try to escape. And that's what I did with skateboarding. And then ultimately I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, super cold in the winter, icy, cold, can't skateboard and uh, snowboarding came along. And really that was where I got to go fast. And I like going fast. And um, yeah, I just, it, at eighth grade, I knew that like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, I didn't necessarily know how that was going to be a reality because it wasn't like it, you couldn't really do that. Or actually it was maybe it wasn't the norm and it was outside of everything else. So it was kind of one of those things where, again, if I looked around my surroundings, I grew up snowboarding on a landfill, 200 vertical feet. Um, you know, it got bigger every year because they kept adding more garbage to it and covering it. And, um, you know, that was just, uh, you would think I'd be a professional trash talker, but, um, no, I, I, um, I just fell in love with snowboarding. So I just, I was like, I just want to do this. I'm good at it. And I, I love it. And I just want to see where it would take me. And, um, ultimately it took me to Lake Tahoe, California, where my dreams became a reality. But, um, yeah, the crazy thing is, is I just wanted to do it. And I knew, um, you know, parents were pushing me to go to college. They, you know, they were like, you gotta, you gotta get, you know, education. And, and I just kind of told them, I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it the rest of my life. I might make it in business. I might make it in the world, but I will regret not taking the opportunity. And I think that's ultimately where most people find themselves is in a, a regret cycle because they didn't try and uh, you'll always regret not giving it your best. And I think that's what athletes understand. Cause we're like training sucks. And, disappointment sucks, but you're like, yeah, but I have this opportunity. And if I don't take full advantage of it, I'm going to regret it. And so that's kind of where, where, where I ended up and took me all over the world for 10 years. So it was, it was, uh, quite the ride. I love how you were saying that you just knew, like, I'm going to find a way to do this. And when I yeah. hear that, I, I relate so much in softball 
it was a part of me. It was something where I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm living partly out my purpose. Even though I was young, I was like, I'm supposed to be doing this. Right. And, and I loved it so much so that I wanted to be the one going out to practice. I wanted to put in the extra work. I wanted to find a way I wanted to do it when I'm hanging out with my friends. It's kind of weird. Right. But it's, it's not when it's something that you're so passionate about. So have there, has there been anything else in your life? Like maybe when you were younger, was there anything else or was it just like, you just couldn't wait to do anything except get out there and practice? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I love sports, right? Like, so I remember being 12 years old, trying out for uh, Team USA for soccer and, and being one of the, you know, 12 or 15 kids that made the team out of 2000. And, and so I was just, I was very athletic. I I, um, I had air awareness. I knew where, where, like how to place my body in certain positions. And I wasn't very the tallest, but I just, I, I think I had more will than anyone else. Like if, 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 you know, I, I would always say I would rather have will than skill. And, and, and I, I wasn't maybe the best, but I was not going to take no, like, and I was just tenacious. So I just, I, it was one of those things. I, I definitely love sports. Um, but there was something about snowboarding and uh, skateboarding that was just, it, it um, everything disappeared. Like there was nothing else I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like soccer was fun. Um, other sports were fun, but like, snowboarding, it was just like the world melted and it was just me and and, and that was it. And so I just knew that like, there's, a, you know, there, I think there's a difference uh, between a, uh, a career and a calling and like a career, you just kind of do to, to make things work, but a calling, it just, you can't stop. You, you just know that there's something there. And if you don't answer the call, it just keeps ringing. And it, it's that ringing in your life that just keeps you coming back to that passion. So that, that's kind of, snowboarding has always been there for me like that. And I think that's an important message. You said that you were able to voice to your parents, you know what, I have to do this. Like I, yeah. I, the other stuff, again, I can always go back to college and I can, and a lot of people don't. And some people, you know, think you have to go that route, but that's always going to be there, but you're not going to be this young. You're not going to be necessarily yeah. this athletic. You're not going to have the opportunity to be that professional snowboarder when you are older and you always at any age can go back to that. So I think that's an important message. What would you say to people who maybe have put off their passion and pursued the different path, but they still feel that passion inside? Would you encourage mm -hmm. them to maybe like take some steps towards it? I, I would, I would, um, you know, there's like people see the, some of the things I did, I think I've shown you some videos and like, Oh, you're, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're like, you must, you must not have any fear. And I would, I, I think we all have fear. It's just, where do you place it? Cause a lot of people, um, they fear failure. What that's just part of the game. Like if you're not failing, you're not trying, like get over it. But like my fear lies on the fact that what if I miss out on a two, an opportunity? And for those people that have placed that opportunity on hold to, you know, to maybe get their ducks in a row. First of all, ducks never get in a row. I've tried multiple times. They just don't line up. But like you, you have to you have to go check out what that passion is, because people are looking for people that are passionate. They, they because we're all energy and energy just it, the vibe is needed and so a lot of people take the safe route but it's it's the route that leads really to death because it's just like it's not fulfilling and you were you were designed to live a life of passion and so um again i would say if that person has that passion has went the career route i'm like you'll never regret trying you'll never regret giving it your all sink or swim whatever you'll never regret that. What you will regret is not taking the opportunity to try. And that's it. Yeah, that's so, so good. I I love it. And for me, I even think back when I wanted to be a mom, but I still wanted to play 
on the Olympic team, I still had yeah. it in me. Like you just, like you said, there's this passion that you can't deny it. And I, and I knew like, no, I have to give it a try. I might not make the team. I'll see if I can get back into the shape I need to, but yeah. I have to give it everything I have and see. And I was the first mom on the Olympic team. My son was three when I won my last gold medal. But then the crazy thing is I knew, I knew when I was done, like it was, yeah. it was, you know, finishing up with that last Olympics. And I saw the pull started to be too much. And I was like, okay, mm. this, this is when it is like finish strong, you know? And, and then I was like, okay, but I want to take that same passion. What next? <laughs> you yeah. know? And ultimately for me, eventually it became speaking for the most part, I would say, which you're a speaker and we'll get into that. Let's go back really quickly. One more thing, because when you said that school just was hard for you, yeah, did that caused you, like you said, it was an escape, which I think a lot of people find sports, you know, as outlets yeah. and they're finding something right mentally as, as an escape, but did it, did you struggle with confidence in some ways because of that? Or did you just say, well, nope, I'm going to go find my confidence over here and you replace it. What would you say? Because my son um, struggled a little bit when he was younger with the academics. Now he's a straight A student, but I was, I was yeah. thankful to homeschool and give him some extra time. Right. I, I, yeah. I, th I think I, had all this confidence outside of school. And, and so if anything, I was trying to bank that it, uh, like confidence. And so I could bring it like, again, I, school was so very hard for me, but then I had a sixth grade teacher that saw that really, I think I, I, I wasn't challenging myself. I was just like, I was buying into the lies of the labels that people like, okay, I, I was a dumb kid. Right. And so like, okay, I'm the dumb kid, whatever. And so, you know, uh, I would, mess up on purpose so I wouldn't have to try and I think he saw that in me and he he just kind of like really called me out in a in a beautiful way and just was like you know what Tom like so you suck at school whatever you're really good at training so why don't you just look at school as training like you got to get through this to get to the next thing and it, it was a mindset thing really I think I think you know the biggest muscle you have is in between your ears and you you need to sometimes um listen to yourself, talk to yourself, yell at yourself, preach to yourself. And really like, it was one of those learning moments where I was like, oh, I'm not good at, I've said it so many times that I'm not good at school that I don't think I can overcome that hurdle. However, I'm good at training. And so once I started telling myself, oh, this is just training. I'm just training to get through this. Then all of a sudden I did get on honor roll. I did get to, and it was like just this flip of a switch. It was a mindset thing. I was, instead of calling it learning, I was calling it training and I'm good at training, you know, so it's, 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 it's crazy how our brains work and how we just need to get past those obstacles and, and, um, and, and rewire it or just rethink what it is, right? Because we are all going to have struggles and we're all going to have tough things that we're going to have to get through. And how do you reframe it? Right. So it's, it's something that you can, um, conquer. I want to talk a little bit more about that, about obstacles. So let's first go, because I'm sure as a snowboarder, what were the biggest, biggest physical obstacles you had to face as a pro athlete? Um, well, one, I was, I was a no one out of nowhere, right? Like, so I didn't have any sponsors when I moved out. I just had a wing and a prayer and a, a, a passion and, um, you know, you, it's funny, people are like, Oh, right place, right time. And I think there's a lot to that. But again, no one saw me working harder than anyone else. No one saw me dreaming and bleeding and like, like driving after it. And um, yet, uh, I think some of those obstacles were that and then two, I didn't know the business side of things. I honestly, I had to negotiate all my contracts at first until I got an agent. And 
I mean, it was just like the, the first uh, big contract I had, they called me into a room, flew me up to Portland and they were like, okay, what do you want? And I like, was like, all right, I want 25 grand and I want, you know, a $10,000 travel budget. And, and instantly they're like, yes. Okay. And I was in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, I so undersold myself. Like what else? And like, I just kept trying to add things and they're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. And I'm like, dang, like I, I, I didn't even know what I was doing. And so I think I had to figure out really fast the business side of things too. And, and then just like the ego, right. The ego and the pride and like, Oh man, it's like, it's hard when you're, I think I, in, in sp team sports, other people pick you up. Whereas in like individual sports, mm -hmm. like you constantly have to be like, really like you got to get motivated and you got to keep motivated. And it's, it's hard because it's just like, you feel it's a, like you against the world. And yet, um, you know, you just have to continue to keep getting up and keep getting up. And then, you know, obviously lots of injuries because we're flying through the air and ragdolling and, and hitting rocks and hitting trees. And we're not wearing helmets because we want to look cool, you know, and uh, you know, whatever. And, and so it's just, it, it's uh, it was a battle of, uh, you know, your mind of like how to overcome like obstacle after obstacles. Cause there were just a ton of things, but yeah. So I'm thinking tricks like I don't even know I don't know what it is it's called in snowboarding but like yeah how high do you get in the air how low do you go like tell me something about that yeah I mean so like it, it you know you're just trying to get video parts and 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 you know easily like you were flying like some of these kickers that we were building right because you wanted them to be awesome and you wanted people to be like oh my gosh that was incredible but you're flying 100 feet through the air you know and you're going like 40 50 miles an hour and it's good when it's good. And when it's not, you catch an edge. Like, so you're like, you're coming in for a landing and you over rotate just a little bit and then you catch an edge and then you ragdoll. That's what we call ragdolling. And you just kind of flip for in the next 50 yards as all your gear goes every which way. And then you got to get up, collect everything, hike back up and do it again. Um, so I, I once, uh, I saw many chiropractors, many things It went wrong with my body, but I, I would, I would go into the chiropractor and he'd be like, what do you do? Let me guess. Let me guess do you sit on the hood of a car going 40 miles an hour where it gets into a, hits another car and then you just uh, flip off onto the road multiple times. I'm like, pretty much that's snowboarding in a nutshell. Yeah. Oh my so. gosh. That's um, okay. So uh, then I'm thinking after an injury, does it affect your mind for the next time you go to do that same type of a trick? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, like, so you, you do have to be, you do have to uh, overcome the battle in your mind you have like it, it was crazy I probably uh, for about uh, six seven years I didn't have any fear on that side of it I was like dude this is my one chance and you have to, I, I would tell myself like you know you're only as good as your last video part you're only as good as your last interview your own you're like you're gonna be here today gone tomorrow and you better give it your all and so injuries came injuries went and I just kept getting better um, but then when I really, I destroyed my knee. I mean, I had like 7% of my lateral meniscus removed six stitches in my medial, a hamstring graft for an ACL. And I was out for six months. And, and that's when you realize that like what, like how it is such a business. Cause like, you're supposed to report when you're injured and you report to your sponsors like, Hey, you know, and they're like, Oh yeah, great. And then like the next day they fire you and like, you're like, ah, so I shouldn't have told you. And so you gotta really, you gotta, you gotta tell them exactly what you need them to know not what you want or what's really going on. So like, it's definitely a battle of the mind. And, and, um, but after the knee injury, I remember like you were saying when you were playing softball and you kind of realized it was over, I, I never had fear on 
the side of uh, this side of it, I'd say I had fear of missing out on opportunities up until then. But I remember sitting on top of a cliff after I got my knee all better and my brace on. And I remember just thinking like, man, I don't want to get hurt again. That sucked. Like rehab really. And I was 26 years old. And and I remember fear creeping in on that side. And then it was like, oh, I got to battle this thing or else it's going to take me out. So I was able to do a couple more years. I was able to break a world record and do some more crazy stunts after that. But mentally, it was um, the, that was the where the battle lied in 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 the head um, after those injuries. But early on, I think I was just like, no, I'm I'm just going to come back more more aggressive and and um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful that I can walk. <laughs> Let's just say that. Yeah, for sure. Did you? So you said you uh, broke the record after your knee yeah. injury. Yes, six months after my knee surgery. I uh, ended up doing the uh, world record bomb drop. And um, yeah, it was just, it, it was like, I, I always tell kids nowadays, like you dream of doing something great. You, no one ever dreams of hitting the first shot in the game. It's always the last shot to win this, you know, championship. It's, it's the winning super or winning touchdown, winning this, winning hit, whatever it is, like walk off home run. You, that's what you dream of. So um, I think we're, we're created by greatness for greatness. And we always want to do great things. And And it was one of those things where, I just knew that the opportunity was right to, yeah, do it. And I wasn't worried about, you know, honestly, I was, I was like, you know what, this is my opportunity and I'm going to regret not going. And so just, yeah, put it in my head to just send it. <laughs> it is a mindset. And I, I like that approach of just like, go for it, leave it all out there because it is the fear of failure. What others think uh, the unknown, those things that hold so many people back, number one, from even starting, or if they do start, it holds them back from being their best. They might even try to sabotage themselves. Like you said, when they have that doubt that creeps in almost like, well, it's okay if I fail because, you know, I can give it my all and just that mindset. But I think in order to be great at anything, you do have to just give it your all and then, and then learn from the mistakes and, you know, different things that happen. So for you, did you have anybody that was your coach or were you self-taught? What does that look like for a pro yeah. snowboarder? Yeah, we didn't really have coaches early on in the game. And then it was just you you kind of like huddled up with like it was basically very tribal. And so you kind of got into little tribes of like guys that would push you or uh and, and it was funny enough, like I ended up riding with a bunch of skiers. Um uh it, it was weird. It was like they were just, uh, they were trying to go so big and I knew that's what I wanted to do is just go as big as I can. And sometimes, um, in the snowboard scene, it was, it was definitely, um, really clicky and we, again, we didn't have coaches. So, um, it was just who your tribe was and who you, you rode with to push you. And, um, I found that skiers went really, really fast and I wanted to go really, really fast because really, really fast means really, really big. And that's kind of what I really like to do. <laughs> so when you, when you did, you know, get the world record yeah, and set a real world record. Did it feel different that time than any other time? Uh, you know, it, cr crazy enough, it did and it didn't like it, it was a total like, uh, cause I did a couple of stunts where like, I was the first guy to do the loop. Like Tony Hawk was the first skateboarder to do the loop. I was the first snowboarder and it, it felt surreal, but then you're just like, Oh, what's next? Like you're always, you're always like pining for like the next, next. And I think, I, it, it's, it's hard to think. And I, I bet you it's just like winning a gold medal. You're just like, I, I can't believe I did this. And then you're like looking at it and you're like, this is so crazy. Like, this is mine. And you know, like you, you, you have all those feelings, but you're like, now what, <laughs> you know, like you want, you, it, it, it kind of wears off pretty quickly and you're like, okay, I want to do this again. Or I want to, you know, so 
That's great. Okay. So let's talk about life after snowboarding then when you ended up deciding to move on from, you know, being that pro athlete, what did that look like? Was it a hard transition? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was a funky story and I think we can get into that later, but, uh, I had some major life changes, like outlooks on life and, um, really, uh, the sponsors didn't like it. I was the party guy. I was the guy that was, um, always the life of the party and kind of, you know, really loud and obnoxious. And, um, I had a radical transformation in my life and that ultimately brought me in great peace, but also like this, it didn't jive with what the sponsors were paying me to do. They didn't really like that lifestyle change. And in fact, uh, it, it was crazy because I was looking for a change in my life. And, um, I just saw this being an open door or in a closed door, like they were closing a door and I was walking into another door. And ultimately, um, I, in, in mountain towns, you're either going to be in hospitality or construction. And, uh, I met a guy that was going to like, he's like, I'll mentor you how to build houses. I'll, I'll teach you to be great at, at doing this. And I really liked his, uh, his approach. Cause he was actually a pro skier at one time. He was a speed skier. He did like really awesome things. And then he just kind of settled into a, a, a new phase of life. And he's like, I'll help you transition to like, just what that looks like. And so again, I just started building houses and, and, um, it was, it was a great learning opportunity and yeah, it was a hoot just, um, yeah, learning to do something new and having a skill underneath your belt to, to, to be able to provide. Yeah. So your transition came at a time and I know it involves the faith. So tell me a little bit about like how that happened. Yeah. Well, so again, like I was the party guy, like I was, I smoked weed every day for seven years. I I was drinking, I was a womanizer. I was all the sticks. And, um, you know, I, I'd walk into a room, into a party. Everyone wanted to be me, except me, because I couldn't accept myself. I knew I was living far less than I was worth. And so it was really hard to look at myself in the mirror. It was hard to, um, like, I, I was doing things I said I would never do. And, like, that's really hard to reconcile. And so ultimately, uh, I, uh, yeah, a neighbor just basically shared with me a, his faith and just dared me like anything like and I was always like you dare me to do things I'm gonna do it like it was just like that was the thing we did in snowboarding you know I was like I was gonna outdo you like that was it like you you went that big okay watch this I once bet a guy five dollars at the U.S. Open that I could air over this banner and everyone was like there's no way you can air over that banner um I crashed like three or four times and then before I did it you know I ended up spitting up blood uh coughing up blood and all that stuff but I ended up doing it because I was like challenge me right like that's the challenge me the guy my um teacher in elementary school he challenged me like i'm i'm a, like challenge me right i need that challenge and he just challenged me he's like all right you know i'm gonna ask you you know just ask god if he's real if he's not i'm a kook if he is then you're gonna have to obey him and i was like deal and i did i i asked him into my life and uh he showed up he showed off and then you know, I just, I had peace in my life for the first time ever. It wasn't like chaos outside, chaos inside. It was just peace. And then, um, I did, I, I took the weed off my board. I took the, all the stickers off my board, like, and I, I put a, a cross on my board and the sponsors freaked out they just said, dude, you can't do this. And I was like, wait, you didn't have a problem when I had like the boobs on my board or the middle finger or the weed. I'm like, no, no, that's cool. That was great. I'm like, okay. So why are we talking? I'm like, well, you have to make a decision and you're either going to listen to us and take that um, cross off your 
um, board or, or we're going to fire you. And my agent and my lawyer at the same time were like laughing. They're like, okay, we're going to sue you for millions of dollars. But I just knew that this was a door that needed to be closed. And um, so I walked away from like six figures just to um, experience that piece that I never experienced before. And again, it was one of those things where it was like such a beautiful thing. Like it was, it was so necessary um, because I think I, I, left on my own um i don't think i would be here today just because of like the destructive like i, I was always gonna outdo you so you know a lot of my friends died doing squirrel suits base jumping like because there's there's a fine line between when you're on the adrenaline train there's a fine line between um stupid and crazy and i always say i was crazy but i wasn't stupid um but mm. the, the the line is fine and i could have jumped either way so yeah that's really powerful. I think a lot of people need to hear that. And I think it's a reminder that we can chase a lot of things that this world has to offer and just constantly be missing the peace that we're really searching for and just not yeah. understand why. Right. And have, well, have you, ever, have, have you ever done like um, puzzles, like how frustrating it when you have the whole puzzle are all done, except that one piece and that one piece is missing. <laughs> and I feel like that's, most people like their life is just, it, it looks great. Like it's all there. And you're like, well, I don't need that piece to be complete. And you're like, yeah, you do. And it's that missing piece that you end up searching for. And again, it's that piece that's beyond all understanding that piece that you have that he'll be with you. And it, it just, honestly, it was like, I was a derelict. I'm still my derelict. I still like you love punk rock music. I still, you know, worship Jesus, like punk rock style. And again, that's, he, he, he made you, he created you to, to be gravitate towards certain things. So um, he wants to give you that last missing piece that just will fulfill you and make it all complete. So. Yeah. This past weekend at church, actually, our pastor was reminding everybody that it's okay to, to worship differently. And he said, you know, unity, which there should be unity if you love God, right? It is he said it doesn't mean uniformity. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to look different. We need to respect everybody and where we all come from and we all bring something different to the table. And I, I think that's important. I think in anything we do, like we what are those common bonds? What can we find? And then, yeah. you know, let's bring those differences, right? If as long as it's not harming others or whatever. But I do find Absolutely. that interesting that you're saying about the sponsors and just everything that flies except your faith and you actually cleaning up your life. So um, a good reminder that when you stand with God, sometimes it's not the popular thing, but it's it, it for you. And for me, it's the better thing. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now, because I know yeah. um, you and I were speaking together and I know you speak all over the country, all over the world. Tell me how you kind of got into speaking and, and what that looks like now. Yeah. So again, um, just, for your viewers and, and listeners, like you're going to hear a lot of God stories. Cause I don't know how else this actually makes any sense. Um, so here I was, uh, building houses. Uh, I started flipping houses. Um, I was making such good money. Like, I mean, like if you looked at it again, it's that one of those times in my life where I was like, everything's going well. I got a wife, I got kids, like I'm, I'm crushing it. And yet there's that missing piece. Um, yet again of just like my wife is like man like something's got to change like you're just you're 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 grumpy and um I remember her just saying something needs to change and I was like you're right and so my I I, I called an accountability partner a good friend and I was like hey 
my wife's telling me this and I, 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 something needs to change. And he was like, well, let's, um, let's pray that God would either change your occupation or your attitude. Like, and I'm like, I'm down. And so we kind of set off on this journey of like, we're going to for 40 days, we're going to kind of like pray and just like, Lord change me. Like I, something needs to change. And, and, and for my wife, uh, for my life, for my kids, like something needs to change. And it, you know, I have everything, like things are good, but they're not great, you know? And I want, I want, I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want, I want to live life abundantly. And I wasn't experiencing that at the time. And, um, yeah. So we prayed for 40 days, circled it in the calendar, like, you know, and on day 40, um, already like throughout the 40 days, things were happening that were just like mind blowing. And yet on day 40, uh, the, vice president of K-Love Radio called me out of the blue. And I was actually up in the mountains riding powder. It was a beautiful powder day. I answered my phone. My wife's like, what are you doing answering your phone? I'm like, I, I don't know. It's, you know, and it was the vice president of K-Love Radio. He called me and goes, hey, um, I heard you got a crazy story. Would you ever think about doing school assemblies? And I was like, I, I guess. I mean, it's crazy. Like, how'd you get my phone number? Like, I was super, like, I thought it, my, my friends were pranking me almost. Like, you know, like that's kind of friends I have and so um I just was like yeah give me your phone number and I'll let's meet up on Tuesday and I'll, I'll, I'll uh you know go, come to the office and we can talk more and um ended up getting off the phone looking at my wife and I was dude that was like the vice president of Caleb radio and they want me to do school assemblies what do you think and she looked at me like you're crazy and I'm like what and she's like well for 40 days you've been telling me God's gonna change your attitude or your occupation and then this is day 40 and a dude called you to do school assemblies. And I'm like, well, what do you think? And she's like, you're clueless, aren't you? She's like, of course you have to do this. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, so uh, that's how I kind of got into school assemblies. And then, um, yeah, it's it's been, I guess, about seven, eight years now of doing school assemblies. And, you know, it was, it's, uh, I met with them. They threw me in front of a thousand kids just right away. They're like, you're either going to sink or you're going to swim. And we're going to find out real fast after today if you got what it takes. And you know, I remember speaking really fast. I remember being super nervous. I remember wanting to throw up. and But I also remembered like how awesome it was. And, you know, at, at the end, I was done. I, I, I finished really quick. That was the only thing they could, you know, say like, oh, well, that was that we can work on. But you had them like they were they were totally engaged. And so um, we think, you know, we'd like to pay you to talk to kids. So that was yeah, it was just how that happened. That is awesome. I laugh because I, my first time speaking at this particular time, I was just out of college and it was at a coach's convention and my, my college coach and, you know, knew as an Olympian, he's like, Hey, I'm going to have you come and share some of your stories about your position. And I think I had an hour and I seriously think I was done in like 25 minutes <laughs> because yeah. I said it, yeah. like you said, I said it so fast. And oh my gosh, I, you know, I walked off and I walked off like I am never speaking again. Right. (laughs) So it's funny to think back to those first days. I kind of feel like you have to have that first time so that you can just, you know, figure out what it's even about. And then the second time, okay, how, you know, what difference can you make? And, and, you know, same thing for me, it's kind of been not even looking back ever since then and doing it for over 20 years now. Um, So this is called the gold standard podcast. And the idea is that 
you know, really just being able to be your best. And I, I listen to you and I know so much of it is tied to mindset where so many times in the world, we look around and we think it's all skill. It's all, you know, somebody's yeah. height and strength and looks and, you know, and how smart they are, what college they went to, but it's not always that. And I relate so much to you because I feel like it was more will than skill for me as well to become an Olympian. And yeah. I feel like that also helped me to stay there because of the will over the skill. I think if it was just skill, let's say I did have the ability, but to keep going, the passion, the desire. So for you, like, what would you say the gold standard, like would mean to you and what that looks like with all that you've done, you've traveled the world, you've been the best at your sport. You've just kind of gone into these different business areas and you've, you've, you've met a lot of people for you. What would that, what would, what would you say to other people? Like, here's how you can live out the gold standard in your life. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, it boils down to choosing to learn like, and like being a lifelong learner, like I, I, I study every day. I'm, I'm like trying to, okay, analyze what was good, what was bad, like get feedback, like constantly look to improve, like, and, and that's part of like that mindset of, Hey, I'm going to learn. And I'm, 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 know that you're going to make mistakes. But I always tell people like mistakes are mistakes if you leave them. But if you learn from them, they're called learning lessons. Like, so like take whatever mistake you made and learn from it and don't do it again. Well, again, it's that mindset. Like I, I, there's another gear. I know that everyone has another gear. And are you, are you giving your all or are you believing your, your lies? Right. Like, oh, this hurts or this is. And so if, if you're going to really push it, you're going to have to observe and you're going to have to learn and you're going to have to like really um, fall down and get back up. Right. So it's it's just this whole idea of like, I'm going to learn today. I'm choosing. I'm choosing to learn. Like, I'm going to I'm going to learn to what am I going to learn? I don't know, but I'm going to learn like every day. I got to learn something new um, because I think it's funny. But when you um, get arrogant it takes away the innocence and then it ultimately leads to destruction. And really what I mean by that is like those people that know it all, they don't, they don't actually observe what's happening in the real because they know everything. And when you know everything, life gets boring and it, it really leads you to a place where you're just like arrogant and then prideful. And then no one wants to be around someone that knows it all, but it's someone that likes to learn or likes to like, it, like share experiences with people. Like, they're the funnest people to be around. They're going to teach you things. You're going to learn and you, you just want to be around them. And, and so, but those people also are constantly learning. Like they're, they're never not learning. And um, so I think it has to do with that mindset of being like, today is a gift and I'm going to learn. What am I going to learn? I'm going to learn how to be better. And, and um, ultimately that's, I think I've seen 85 year olds that are so young and it's because they're, they're excited about learning still. And then I've, I've seen, you know, 25 year olds that know it all and they're just bitter. And I don't know, it's just kind of a mindset thing for sure. And when I listen to you and the stories you're sharing, I think also finding out the things that really kind of make you passionate. Right. And that you, Oh yeah. We love to yeah, do it yeah, for yeah. you. I mean, you're constantly riding your skateboard. I, I saw a video of you on Instagram and you're riding it through the airport. <laughs> do they yes. ever say anything to you, by the way? So the only uh, airport that really uh, they got mad at me was U uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. And it's funny because uh, you're going really fast. Like no, normally if it's really crowded, I'm like, 
I'm chill, but I'm like, everyone else has roller bags. So this is just my roller bag. You know, that's kind of how I'm like justifying it in my head. And, uh, in, in Utah, I had a couple, um, gate agents yell and I just pretend like I don't speak English. So I just keep going cause they're going to have to catch me first. And then, cause, and, and then ultimately when they were like, you know, trying to chase me, I, I just like go down the hallway and like, you know, keep going. So I don't know. I, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Most people don't know what to think. You know, they're just like, Oh, okay. And in fact, I just got an Indianapolis last night and it was empty. It was like 10 at night and they have a long, 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 long terminals. And I was going so fast. It was so fun. It was like, there's nothing like airport uh, floors. They're so fast. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> so how can people find you? Because I know I saw that on your Instagram story, I think. So what what is your your tag or how do you Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just my name. It's Tom Gillis. Um and I'm horrible at Instagram. I think it's funny. And I just try to like have fun with it. Um and it's a way for the kids to connect to me. Um I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for school assemblies, probably just because I don't know. I'm I life is too valuable to stop living it. And, so I, I, I'm, I'm uh, a recovering addict. Um, you know, I always tell people I'm a recovering meaholic and I'm trying to kill this ego constantly. So the last thing I need is an ego pump. So I think social media can be very destructive, also very good, but not for me. So, yeah. I think that's a great point to make, especially with today and our society and how much it is. And I think even the youth of how it can make people just go up or down and lose confidence if they don't have certain likes or, you know, so-and-so didn't like it. And it, it, like you said, it can be, it can be very harmful to people's mentality as well. So thank you so much again for coming on and sharing. I, I have to say like, you know, I know for me, some of the moments where I just sit in awe of God and all his creation have been, you know, not only sunsets at the water, but standing. And I don't do a lot. I do a little bit of skiing because I'm <laughs> just, I, I, I started way too late in my life yeah. doing it. And I was like, all I heard is that the first day you snowboard, you're on the ground the entire time. I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, no. And, and um, probably you, because you were playing softball, you couldn't like you were, cause you were so yeah. committed to that aspect. I mean, you know, you didn't want to get hurt. So I get it. Yeah. And it, and it was an honor serving with you up in um, Oregon. We both were able to share together. I think we're going to be going back to the Corvallis area um, yes. in the spring at some point, but thank you again. I appreciate it so much. And to everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed everything Tom shared and just a reminder of how to just really take charge and don't miss an opportunity. Don't let the fear of failure hold you back. Instead, think of failing to have another opportunity that you have right yes. before you now follow those passions and don't give up and keep learning. Don't ever stop learning. There's always more to learn because life is out there for you to go and take advantage of it. And um, for those of you who feel like you're missing something. I think his story is very, very powerful. I know God just absolutely impacted and changed my life forever in college. And for Tom, it was a little bit later, but pretty powerful and radical, the transformation that happened and now has set him on an entire different path. So thank you everyone for listening to the Gold Center podcast, and we'll see you here next time. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.